Hello and welcome to Rearview, the show where we get to chat to the fascinating people from the motoring universe and learn how they got to where they are today. Hello, I'm Andrew and this is episode two. And for this show, I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by Andrew Brady. Without further ado, I shall move on to our conversation where he can introduce himself much better than I could. Hello and welcome to the Rearview interview and tonight I have with me Andrew Brady. Andrew, if you could introduce who you are and uh, what you do and welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, um, I'm Andrew Brady. I am a web editor at motoringresearch.com. Um, I'm at MR underscore Andrew Brady on Twitter. And, and yeah, that, that's me, really. Okay. And what is, um, for anyone who doesn't know out there, what does Motoring Research do? We do a lot. <laughs> we are, we're an editorial agency. Um, basically we're a team of journalists and we provide content to um, a number of outlets mainly online Um, our biggest is probably MSN we do a bit for um, RAC Piss and Heads Um, and we also do a bit um, in print as well so we do CTAM we do their their weekly road test we do various um, car magazines as well so a variety of stuff Excellent. That sounds like you guys kept pretty busy. Yeah. And of course, I should probably mention also, I sort of went over to our clients straight away. Um, and we also, I should give our website a plug at motoringresearch.com. Um, yeah, so I'm web editor for that. So um, we've got news, reviews, features, all sorts on there. So you go and check that out. Yeah, anyone who's listened to um, the Motoring Podcast, the weekly show that we do, on the news, they will have found uh, several motoring research and your articles, actually, um, that we've referred to them and linked to them when we discuss the various topics of the week. Good so, uh, yeah, we enjoy, we enjoy, Alan and I enjoy reading your uh, yours in particular and everybody else who produces their stuff there. So that's, that's good to yeah. let everybody else know what happens. Right, yeah, now, I've brought you on here because <clears throat> uh, I am fascinated with um the choices you make <laughs> in the cars right. you purchase however before oh, we get to that okay let's go back in time and uh, i think i need some jingly music to take us back in time when did you first start getting interested in cars uh yeah i mean it's sort of the generic answer really i've always been interested in cars i i loved cars as a kid i grew up um desperate to drive cars um no one else in my family likes cars so i didn't get much encouragement from anyone um and it was all a bit strange but i I, yeah i always wanted to work with cars and yeah I i love cars so that was in my mind as a as a sort of a a teenager i guess going up through school and bored silly um but quite good at writing i thought I know I can write about cars. So that's sort of how I ended up doing it. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't get any you know, obvious encouragement from um, family, wh- where do you think it came from? Um, I don't know. I used to, I used to get, um, is it auto exchange free, the free classifieds magazine. Mm. So I used to get that and, and flick through that and look at all the cars I could potentially buy. Um, cause back then you could buy, um, 
you know, things like old Fiestas for like 50 quid and I used to look in car exchange <laughs> sections and, and think about buying cars like that. Um, and I used to nag my mum to buy me what car. So I used to read magazines a lot, basically, um, and dream of buying cars from them and even one day perhaps even writing for them. So, yeah, I guess I guess that's where it all came from. Okay, so then you just said before that you um, – did you – you were t- you thought about writing about cars as you grew older. Did you um, do that before university or college or anything like that? Did you start playing around doing that sort of thing? Yeah, well, I well sort of. I think it was my final couple of years at secondary school um, to keep me out of mischief. My English teacher said to me, "Look, we, we're thinking about with the school newsletter." doing a, a pupils pages with with the newsletter um would you like to edit it and you can get out of some lessons to do it oh I bet I that went, was a tough decision I went, yeah fantastic <laughs> so i did that and i loved it and i really enjoyed it i enjoyed the pressure of it because um i sort of left it i used to regularly leave it to the last minute so that when the head teacher's newsletter ready to go i suddenly had to edit this, this sort of pupil pages and I got really into into doing that um and then pretty much from there it, it snowballed I um I knew then that I wanted to be a journalist I knew quite young I wanted to be a journalist so I sort of did A levels around with journalism in mind and then went to university and studied journalism there. Is anyone in your family a journalist or is this just purely a because you read stuff and seen no no, no, don't know any of any. Didn't know any journalists. Um, yeah, my mum was a teacher, a maths teacher. She wanted me to do maths and sciencey stuff, and <laughs> I went, "No, I quite like English. I'd rather go down that route." So that's what I did. Okay, cool. So you're just rejecting your family then, in all ways. And yeah, that's basically what it was. It's basically just rebellion. <laughs> just instead of getting a proper job, just writing about cars. Yeah. <laughs> When did you get your <laughs> When did you get your first car? Um when I was 17, I was lucky. Um I learned to drive as soon as I possibly could when I was 17. Um so I I was 17 in the October. I think I passed my test sort of January. Mm-hmm. So I learned to drive fairly quickly and conveniently uh my, I think my dad got a new car, and then my mum got his old car, and then I basically I with um, my mum's old Freelander, which was a weird first car, but um, I mean, as a seventeen-year-old in in Shropshire, you can kind of get away with running Freelander <laughs> as a first car. Yes, <laughs> so it was it was kind of all right. Although I did spend most of my time because I lived on the, the border of Wales, I spent most of my time driving to Wales either. Hooning it around the Evo Triangle, Freelander, pretending it drove well, or taking it off-roading, pretending it was a proper Land Rover. Did you say it things like it was, uh, when you were going around the Evo, it, it, it drove like it was on rails, etc.? No. Yeah, I mean, it was four-wheel no, drive, so it was impossible to crash. <laughs> Genuinely, I didn't say. It must have been. Clearly. <laughs> 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 so did you go off to uh, uni? I did. I went to De Montfort University in Leicester. Mm-hmm. I 
plan, studied journalism for three years, got a got a degree in journalism. My NCTJs there, so they're like the industry qualifications, more for newspapers, but yeah, did all that. Um, and all along thinking, sort of had cars in my mind and wanted to write about cars. Cool. So what what does a um, – well, this is more for me because I have no idea. <laughs> but what does a journalism degree entail? Um, it's quite – as you can imagine, it's, it's quite a sort of practical course. There's lots of – you know, we had like um, news sessions once a week where we – basically had to go out and find news stories on the streets of Leicester, which was quite good fun. The NCTJ side, that was more challenging stuff. So um, I did exams in things like politics and media law shorthand, um, which amazingly is the skill that new journalists are taught, um, things like that. So it's very sort of practical, hands-on stuff, but there is an element of the, the academic stuff as well, you could say. So it's actually giving you um, the foundations for what it will really be like? Yeah, I mean, my course was very much sort of biased towards local newspapers, so they expected us to, to finish uni and go and get a sensible job in a, at a local newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was very much that sort of thing. So by you know, by the third year, we were basically producing our own local newspaper and going out, meeting people, and getting stories and stuff. So, time I finished uni, I was very, very used to writing stories and speaking to people, and yeah, that sort of thing. Okay. Did you did you get any work experience during this time, or did you seek that yourself? No, I did did quite a, a bit of work experience because I. I, I sort of knew I wanted to write about cars, but I mm-hmm. thought I might have to go into local papers to begin with. Um, and I didn't know what sort of areas of car, cars I wanted to go into. Um, because the whole car journalism, you know, it, it's, it's a massive, massive area. Um, and there's so many different types. So I did a variety of stuff. So I, I did a few weeks in my local newspaper, which I enjoyed more than I expected. But, I mean, it's not what I wanted to do. Mm. I did um, I did three days at Evo. I did I did quite a lot of Fleet News. I did I did a week at Fleet News in my first year, and then they asked me back in my second year. And in my third year, I went back and did freelance work for them. So I went back and got paid, which was good. Which was nice. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, well, your student was brilliant, um, and I. Did. I did. I went to the camping and caravanning club and uh, worked on their magazine, which was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed <laughs> it. Um, so yeah, Evo, Fleet News, camping and caravanning club, and local newspaper. I think that's all of them. But yeah, so quite a variety of stuff. Mm. And did you have the freelander all the way through this, or did, was no. there was there a start to this? Um, I don't want to say no, illness, but... <laughs> well, the thing is, I went to uni and I left the Freelander at home because I, I kind of thought, oh, I'm a uni student, I don't need a car and all that. But then me, I wanted a car. So by my second year, I got a job um, at Next selling clothes just so I could fund a car. <laughs> and I phoned up the insurance company and explained um, no longer was I a young person in Shropshire wanting to insure a freelander as now a young person in Leicester 
wanting to ensure a freelander. So I, in their eyes, I went from being you know a young farmer to being a drug dealer, and the insurance shot up. So I sold the freelander, <laughs> and I bought a 1.6 Focus, which was wonderfully sensible. Um, and I Mark kept that one. for uni. Yeah, Mark One. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a gear. It was lovely. It had, mm-hmm. um, nice breasts and yeah, a bit of wood. It's it a good car. <laughs> Reliable, sensible. Yeah, it's okay. And uh, so, what did you career-wise? What happened after uni? So after uni, yeah, I did kind of the summer I finished uni. I did freelance work for Fleet News. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a bit of temping for them. Worked in their office. Um, and yeah, that was good. And then um, this job came up at Motoring Research. I think the job was, I think I sent assistant to begin with. So I went, uh, applied for the job, got it. Um, I should have mentioned one bit that was quite, quite significant that I think it helped, sort of helped me into the industry. Um, I think it was, I think it was the summer before I finished that I won the the motoring writers sir william lyons award i was going to so, ask about this because I, yeah, I did know i, forgot about I, that. I did but know yeah. that you were an award winner i no, i completely yeah i completely forgot basically ah, so how... <laughs> that was yeah that was a, a fantastic yeah when i was you know it was, it was absolutely brilliant it was a way into the industry and it was a way of getting industry recognition when i was just a, a journalism student like so many others so yeah that sort of helped me along and that's when i first met richard who's now my boss that's richard orcock it is indeed yeah yeah all right okay so um what did you start doing at motoring research then because you said you were an assistant so was that lots of tea making or were you straight away into ferraris um well (laughs) no i certainly was straight away into ferraris i was so basically um i was Writing, writing quite a few news stories, um, doing the odd launch, uploading a lot of content. You know the sort of the stuff that you don't really see as a reader. People, you know, uploading content and making it look look good that takes quite a lot of time and it's kind of art to it. I would say that, but yeah, um, <laughs> all the sexy but, stuff that goes on behind the scenes. You mean <laughs> exactly? But I mean, the the thing with MR is that because. We're team that is you know everyone does a bit of everything um so i mean i very quickly started on going on launches and driving cars and stuff so yeah that was good cool so how long um was it before you became the web editor then uh so i became i'm trying to go back now so i've been doing it nearly nearly three years now i've been at mr and so I became staff writer after, I guess after a year. I can't remember, my master's very good. And then again, <laughs> about a year later, I became web editor. Um, so yeah, we had various sort of movements within MR, um, people leaving, people joining. Um, and yeah, so I think I've been web editor about a year now. I think maybe not that long. Doesn't so, feel very long. So for the ignorant, i.e., me, what does a staff writer do then? Um, writes about cars. That's <laughs> no, yeah. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. So I was starting to do more writing, more news stories, more features, 
Um, I'll start and going on more, more launches as well. So writing more reviews. So just generally writing more than what I was before. Okay. And then, so uh, what does, again, I'm going to ask uh, what you will feel is a bleeding <laughs> obvious question, but what does a, a web editor do? Uh, or more to the point, sorry, oh, no, I want to take a step back because I want to ask uh, a question first. You said you enjoyed at school, you enjoyed the editing and the pressure yeah. side. Yeah. What, uh, what do you feel is editing and what do you feel makes a good editor? Jeez, oh, these are tough Hey, four, we're not um, pulling any punches tonight here, I tell you. God. <laughs> yeah, what makes a good editor? It's, it's generally the same sort of thing as make a good writer. It's a good eye for a story um, and and sort of, you know, knowing what what is a good angle because I get so many so many potential stories be they from launches or press releases or whatever um that you know they could be a story but it's finding the angle that the reader is going to be interested in and doing that as an editor is is just that's just the same escalators so it's you know coming up with with headlines um you know really getting to know your audience and what makes them them click on stories ultimately mm-hmm. yeah okay Okay, and so, what are what are the aspects of editing that you enjoy? Um, well, my my particular job, um, I mean, it's like I was saying earlier that because we're a small team and we do a bit of thing, um, I enjoy that aspect. So, although I am web editor um, and I do spend a lot of my time editing motoringresearch.com, um, I also do a variety of stuff, so it isn't just that. Um, but the yeah, I mean, I am becoming a bit of a geek looking at the, sort of the analytics, probably by the minute, and seeing what gets clicked <laughs> on and what what isn't working, and you, it becomes a bit addictive, and it it's a bit tempting as well, sort of in the evenings and weekends, just to, to go on and say, well, I wonder what's 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 working well and what isn't, and Getting to understand that um, that side of stuff is fascinating. Yeah, because um, that all that all helps with what you were saying before about trying to understand um, understand your audience. Yes, uh, and know what they want because you know one of the the main commodities of online is people clicking on pages. Yeah, and you need to know uh, within your set of values as you know for in this example the motion research in your set of examples what is it that you do that people click on more than they don't because it's not like you're suddenly thrown mm-hmm. in kardashian stuff because you know that's clickbait that's yeah. not what motoring research does um, but it's it's having to work out having to to spend a lot of time staring at analytics to go yeah. well what 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 is this what what about this story was the bit that pe- attracted to people? Yeah. And then experimenting with each section until you can start yeah. to get a sort of formula or house style, I suppose. Yeah, fascinating looking at what works and what doesn't. I mean, it, it is frustrating at times. I mean, obviously, yeah, everyone's familiar with clickbait, um, and we don't want to do that at, at MR. But at the same time, if we do a story on Jeremy Clarkson that took 10 minutes to bash out, and it gets a lot more clicks than say, I don't know, something like a, you know, a feature that's taken 
weeks to research that's frustrating um but then you know, when you start to look at i mean one thing we've talked about doing at mr which i which i really like to push is clickbait with substance okay. so basically i mean we're so used everyone's used to clickbait where they click on a story um and they click on that and then they're disappointed because it's not what they expected or it's, it's not there. Yeah. And I want to say, like, let's do a clickbait headline um, and let's people, you know, people want to click, but then when they click there, they get a, a detailed news story or a detailed feature that they find really interesting. And then next time they'll, they'll see on our Twitter feed, you know, a slightly clickbaity headline and they'll click on that and they'll get something really detailed and they'll feel, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm Glad I clicked on on MR's link. So yeah, I mean it's a fine line with clickbait, but yeah, certainly interesting times. Mm. Okay, so I'm going to swing back to the car history. <laughs> God, I thought we were getting away from it. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> so you with the Focus Gear? Yes. What do you move on to next? Oh well, sorry. How long did you have it? How long did you? I have had it? that for eighteen months. Yes, well, I was at uni. Okay. And then I finished uni, and um, moved back to my parents in Shropshire, and for a treat present. So I sold Focus, and yeah, started off a long line of things. But basically, I I went out something I do too often i went out with cash and basically just thought what what can i get and i went around a few dealers looked at various things and i went to a dealer that had a seat toledo v5 mm-hmm. that was a thing yeah mm-hmm. and it was gold and i seen it advertised Ooh. and i was like yeah practical saloon you know yeah nice spec v5 engine meant to be good not sure about the car so, yeah, the colour was a bit minging. So I went looking at that. And basically, it was in a corner with a flat battery, just looking sorry for itself. But at the end, it was the start of summer. It was probably the first sunny day of the year. So, And they had um, a Mark One MX-5 on the forecourt uh, with the roof down, looking, you know, looking lovely in the sun. Just saying. And, Come to me, Andrew. Come to me. Yeah. So as it was a nice day, I asked for a test drive just because I thought, oh, I'm not doing one of these, and I thought they're good. And I got back and made the guy an offer and, and bought it there. And then without doing any research, without looking at any of his, <laughs> just like, yeah, I'll have that one, please. Because I had, you know, I was, what, 21, and I had the money in my pocket, and it was a nice sunny day, and I wanted to drive that home and show it to my parents and say look at this i just bought so yeah <laughs> i bought that now is this the one that didn't have the matching wheels no this was before that this okay. was a silver one all right this was my first one yeah okay so what how long did you have that for and what and was it as much fun as you um felt on that first drive it was fantastic i really really loved it it was uh yeah, it was more than I expected. It was it was an awesome car, and I had it. I bought it the beginning of that summer. Later that summer, I got the job at MR. I used I was using it every day for commuting. That sounds sensible. I wasn't really after it, and I 
sort of February, um, there was rust starting to appear pretty much everywhere. <laughs> uh, and it was also by me slightly. I had quite a few sort of near misses in it. Um, I took it to a specialist and they just kind of laughed at it and pointed out everything that was wrong with it. Um, so I decided to be sensible and I, I put it on eBay <laughs> and I was gutted to sell it um, and I sold it. And then, shall I tell you what? I, Please go, what's next? Yeah, I don't want to kind of, just, yeah, I probably just want to go through the list. But yeah, so I decided to get a sensible car for commuting. Mm-hmm. So I went out and bought an E34 BMW 5 Series. Um, Is that the one that had the odd sized wheels? Yes, you're right. Yes, it had the metric alloys. That was right. I bought it. It basically, <laughs> the only advisory on the MOT was for the tyres. Um, so I, I paid about 500 quid for it, and I thought, oh, it's fine. I can change the tyres. It's fine. And then I looked into it and found that you no longer make tyres in that size. And if you're going to gonna get them, then they're new old stock, and they're about 200 quid each or something silly. <laughs> so... <laughs> So that's when I started my obsession with wheels because I uh, okay. basically discovered that at scrapyards near me, most and on eBay and whatever, it was quite easy to buy like a wheel and a tyre, the right size. Okay. So I started just picking up a collection of them and just like wheels with like a few millimetres of tread left. Tires with, and I, at one point I had about a dozen of them. <laughs> I know, this As I'd you be, do. <laughs> I'd moved into my flat. I'd moved sort of down south and got sort of pokey one-bed flat you get when you just started in a new job and fresh out of uni. And I was piling them in my living room. Uh, um, so it wasn't ideal. Um, and eventually I just <coughs> I bought a set of um, metric normal wheels and tyres off someone on Twitter, which worked out very well. And then the head gasket went. So, Ooh. yeah. So, um, and, and, um, is your tactic of researching after you've bought the car yes. a common theme? Yes. Okay, yeah, that's fine. I, I think that's glorious. I thoroughly approve of that. That, is, that yeah, sounds like that, my car that, history that for many, many there, years. There are, there are cars that I... I I sort of have a good idea about, and I I've researched them a lot, and I I think they're probably my next car, and then I go out and buy something else, and I don't research that at all, and that's 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 fine. That sounds perfectly sensible, <laughs> and a reasonable way in which to do business. Yeah, it sort of works out all right. Yeah, ish. So, what did you get after the gasket went? So, the head gasket went on that, and I um. I sold that on eBay for spares and repairs for 300 quid, which saying I'd paid 500 quid for wow. it, and I and I bought it at, at a time when you could get tax with it. So I didn't spend anything on tax. It came with a full MOT, so I didn't have to MOT it. So I lost 200 quid. So, I mean, I was fairly happy with that, really. And then I had to buy – I needed a car that weekend. Um, so I got 500 quid out of the bank, went out, but what should I get? And I, the one thing I didn't like about the BMW compared to the MX-5 was I liked 
but the MX5 was small and pointy and fun to drive, and the MX5 and the 5 series was just a bit bargy and wasn't very neat. So I went out and bought a Puma. Okay. Uh, for about 500 quid. And, and how was, were the arches? I found, I, to be honest, I actually looked at a few that day, and I decided, I, could, I was like, I won't be able to find one without rusty arches, so I just get the least rusty one I can find that day. Mm-hmm. And I did actually find one that was pretty much rust-free, and oh, wow. stayed rust-free for about a week. <laughs> well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It was it was pretty solid when I got it, but it didn't last very long. Solid, but just w- what a fantastic car was to drive. That that's probably one of my favourite cars I've owned. It was fantastic fun. I loved it. Really loved it. What happened to the the Puma? So I decided I was going to hold on to it for a bit, and then over I think it was over Christmas. I was sort of missing my MX-5 um, and someone put on Twitter that I was he was selling his so I innocently asked for a few more details and the, the answers were good and, you know the price was good it hadn't got any rust um, it was all good so I thought oh, I won't do any harm to go and have a look and I went and had a look and I bit his arm off because I missed my MX-5 so I, I bought another MX-5 for more winter driving, perfect. Yeah, bought it in yeah January. I was like, it was, I think my new, my New Year's resolution what was it last year? Yeah, it was to not buy any cars, and I'd literally broke it within the first week. <laughs> well, that's yeah. a, it's a proper resolution then. No one yeah. keeps the resolutions <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but I didn't I didn't like that one as much. I don't know why. There's no particular reason why. I think. I had this sort of memory of my first MX-5. My first MX-5 was my first properly sort of half-decent car that I owned. Mm. That was exactly what I wanted. And I absolutely loved that. And I thought, I'll buy another one. It just just wasn't, you know, I just didn't really bond with it. Well, well, you've moved on. and Well, see, the thing is now, you you, by now, uh, or by then, you were being uh, shown the other side of cars the the new ones on yes. launches and stuff like that so yes. i mean having been to uh, a couple of drive days of manufacturers and stuff it it does change your perceptions of because i i like i mean i've always had old cars um mm-hmm. i've never had anything uh very modern um you know so uh, I, I like i like getting a car that was once quite a symbol but now many years later and i can go oh look at look at this amazing technology which was at the limit <laughs> back yeah. then <laughs> yeah i get that and then and then you get into i don't know say a outlander fev or something like that and you just go okay <laughs> that's technology isn't it <laughs> i shall now yeah. go and shovel coal back amazing into mine <laughs> it takes, yeah. Yeah, so, um so yeah okay so did you did something happen to the not as lovely MX5, or did uh, you just say no? I'm not loving this. I need to move on. I sort of decided I was gonna sell it, half thinking that, and I I drove home from work one day, a really nice sunny summer's day, um, and I drove home from work with the roof down, and I pulled into the car park outside my flat. 
and my neighbor was stood in his parking space. My elderly neighbor, like 70 odd, stood in his parking space, looking sad and looking miserable. And I thought it's a bit strange. So I said to him, you know, everything all right, what's up? He said, oh, I've had to scrap my car. Uh, I've had it seven years. It, yeah, it's just given up the go. So I've had to scrap it. I'm a bit good. So I jokingly said to him, do you want to buy mine? Because I was huffing about selling it. And he went, yes, yes, please. <laughs> and I went, okay, I don't know how to react to that. I said, oh, um, okay. I said, well, it's a nice evening. Do you want to come for a drive in it? So I took him out for a drive. And then we got back, got back half an hour later. And he said, okay, um, I'll go and get you some money then. And I went, whoa, 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 whoa. Like I said, well, I'm only sort of half in it so i'm not going to sell it anytime soon if you want to go away and think about it i promise not to sell it anywhere else and he said no i want to go and get give you a deposit so you don't turn it out so he did so he went into his flat and got some money and came back out with it and i accidentally sold that car <laughs> so yeah it was unexpected because <laughs> you've been a good samaritan a kindly neighbor that's what you were exactly being. So I, I start out being a kindly neighbour, and now I have no car. What happened there? Yeah. Well, the thing is that at that point, I think I got my first long-term test car. So I was like, okay, I've got money. I've got a sensible car. I'm going to buy something stupid just because I can. Okay. Uh, and you know, bear in mind my budget was still fairly limited. So. I sort of had a browse on Facebook and I found this guy selling a Metro and I loved it. It looked awesome. It was a 1983 Austin Metro HLE, which was the, the eco one. And the guy selling it, he was, I think, I don't think he was the chairman. He was someone, someone important in Metro circles, basically. He was someone in the Metro Owners Club who he bought, he liked to buy Metro's sort of without, without MOT, sort of bond fine metros and do them up and then um, sell them on for, well, not a profit, possibly even a loss, I think, in my case, just because he'd saved them. Um, right, okay. So he was selling it so for he's not a lot of money. true devotee to the brand, yes, to, the, to he, the mark. He, he sort of got through several metros a year. Um, so he was selling this metro and it looked amazing and it was near my parents' house in Shropshire so I sort of, a few messages went back and forth on Facebook. And before I knew it, he was delivering a metro to my parents' house. And I had to phone him up and say, yeah, I bought an Austin metro from 1983 and the guy's turning you up to drop it off at yours. Is that okay? Um, so that was interesting. <laughs> and that was, that, was, that was about a year ago, just over a year ago, I think. And as we record this now, you still have that? Yeah, sort of. Sort of. Yeah. I mean, this might be an exclusive. Oh, go on then. Go on. Okay, I'll take uh, an exclusive. Again, I've accidentally sold the car. You (laughs) Accidentally. (laughs) How how have you accidentally sold it this time? I accidentally advertised it. um, Again, I was sort of thinking... I love the car, and I really—I'd like to keep. I, I had every intention to keep it forever because I love it, and I've enjoyed it more than any other car I've owned. Why? Why have you enjoyed it more than I anything know, else? Because it's, because it's not going to have the pin sharp handling. 
It's not going to have the build quality of the five series. It's not going to be a patch on any of the. I mean, as because we because it's we a giggle. About. Because I drive it and I have a silly grin on my face, and people look at it and point and think, "What is that idiot doing in the metro?" And it just makes me laugh. Okay. And it, but it's also dirt cheap to run. I mean, it's such a simple thing. Well, yeah, you uh, keep getting it on the back of an AA wagon. I do, but the AA keeps coming out and fixing it free of charge. <laughs> it's That's very cheap to run. <laughs> yeah. So last, so last time it went wrong. Basically, I, I took it off the road over winter because it's a metro, it will disintegrate. So I took it to my parents and left it on my parents' driveway in Shropshire. And they got bored of the sight of it. So in, I think it was about May, they decided to drive it from Shropshire to Hertfordshire just to get it off their driveway. And it was going really well until about half an hour from me when the fuel tank emptied itself on the road. Um and that's, that's, I'm no expert, but that's not good, is it? It's not ideal. So this was like a Friday before um, a bank holiday holiday weekend. Oh, so no. they um, <laughs> they phoned me up and the situation. I said, well, I'll, I'll come out. Um, I mean, I might be able to fix it. I'm no mechanic, but it can't be that difficult. But in the meantime, just phone the AA. So they phoned me and there about half an hour later and an AA man had turned up in that time and fixed it and it was just a just a perished fuel pipe that he replaced he had one in his van and replaced inside the road so and put some petrol in it and it was so yeah I mean when you've got AA membership you, you don't need to go to garages and stuff it's brilliant <laughs> <laughs> so um so did did I finish explaining why I've sold it no I don't know if it is no Okay, yeah, so basically, uh, I've hardly used it this year. I mean, I got it back down here in May. I've pootled about it in it a bit locally, and I love it, but suddenly realised it is nearly winter, and I'll be taking off the road again. So I thought I'll advertise it free of charge on Car and Classic Dakota UK and ask fairly strong money and see what happens. And a lovely man called John, who is a Metro enthusiast, he came along, offered me what I wanted for it, and um, I'm, I'm delivering it to Reading on Sunday, which I'm a bit gutted about, but it's sort of a sensible thing to do because if I didn't, I'd keep it over winter and it disintegrate over winter and then... In spring, when it's worth nothing and the MOT's up again, I'll put it on something else. So, yeah, being sensible for a change-ish. Well, I hope your last drive is a happy one. I hope hope you have uh, memories uh, that you can cherish. Maybe even film it. So we can all cherish it with you. Around the M25 to Reading, and it's it's going to be a blast. Looking forward to it. So have you got your eye on something else already? <laughs> because I'm, I'm, I'm suspicious that you possibly might. <laughs> well, this is it. I have, but, <laughs> but every time I have my eye on something, I don't buy it. I end up going by random. Okay, well, well, tell us, what, tell us what you got your eye on, and then we can make some well, bold, should... bold uh, guesses at what you will actually end up with. <laughs> well, I should, before, before I tell you, I should fill you in and also the RAV4, which... Oh, yes, I of also, course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I went out um, basically because I wasn't very organised um, and I I had a long time of going back. Um, I knew I wasn't arriving for a few weeks, so I had a few weeks without a car. 
apart from the metro which i don't want to use every day so i needed a car so again i did that thing when i got 500 quid out of the bank and said right, i'm going to go and buy a car this weekend and i had a i wanted a rover 45 or maybe a 75 um so i had a list of those to go and look at and i went and looked at loads of them and they were all absolutely balked they were just yeah like imagine what 500 quid rover 55s are like and it was like no, like no, no, not good would, would. so in a hailstorm on my phone i went on ebay and looked what was near me at that exact point, which was somewhere in the world of Bedfordshire, <laughs> that I could buy. And I was bored of looking at ropey British cars and up popped this bright green RAV4, which looked amazing. And I thought, ha, that'd be funny for a minute. And then I found myself sending him a message and ended up, yeah, when... And you know when you, you're buying a car and... It's not necessarily the car, but the seller, and you think, yes, I want to buy this car because I like them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it was like that. They were sort of just really nice, friendly people who had obviously looked after the car and cared for it. So I, had, I went out to buy a Rover and bought a RAV4, um, which did its job as transport for a few weeks. And then since then, I've hardly used it. I, I, did, a, I did a track day in Castle Coombe. I have seen pictures of that. Cause that, Did you get yeah, seasick? No, it was fantastic. It was, it was <laughs> awesome, proper like SUV GTI. Oh, well, I was uh, going to say, it probably helped out um, that you'd done all that Evo triangle driving with the Freelander. Exactly, exactly. So I was on it that day, and it was an absolute giggle. Um, and, yeah, all was good until I took it for an MRT tyres and was like yeah you you've got for your tires I, mean, I should point out they're still legal um but yeah they were like yeah the tires that were on it when you bought it are suddenly no longer that good so yeah you might <laughs> change those but yeah, it was um it was fantastic so so yeah i've got a habit of doing that so the, the i'm now thinking i'm 25 in october and i think 25 is a good age to buy my first jaguar or mercedes that's what's going through my mind at the moment. Okay, so uh, what age are you thinking? So probably a Jag XJ40 or maybe a slightly more sensible X300 mm-hmm. or maybe a Mercedes 190E. Um, but, I mean, I've I've come close to buying an XJ40 so many times. I think every time I bought, you know, the last three cars I bought, I've looked at HA40s and then decided they're all rotten and just full of filler and not bought one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm thinking at the moment. But in truth... Okay, so I look forward to seeing you um, buy a 1980s Persia. Yeah, probably. I have actually got first dibs on a Nova, but I don't think I'm going to go through it. I think it's probably had... wise. <laughs> we, had, um, <laughs> we had a Vauxhall Nova in for our retro road test in mm. it was january and i used it for a week like i would any press car just using it day-to-day errands um and i absolutely loved it it's one of my favorite cars i've driven um for my for the retro road test uh as a 1.2 merit um and that's what has been offered to me as well a 1.2 merit i'm very tempted but i mean it might be a bit too similar to the metro so. 
Yes, it sounds like you you need to go a bit more barge tastic after a metro. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I think a proper Jug XA40 would be lovely. Yeah, or just see if you can borrow um, Major Gav's um, 230. His Merc is amazing. I absolutely love it. It's such a cool thing. I'm very jealous of that. I would quite like a Mercedes. Because the 190E we had in as well for a week for our retro test, that was just an awesome thing to cruise around. I loved it. I didn't want to give it back. It was it was really, really cool. Yes, they, they do look nice. Do look nice. My dad had a E-Class of a similar age. Yeah. Um, and that was he, he had that for 20 years. And it was From a time when Mercs were Mercs. All that. Oh, yeah, that thing. Yeah, that did over 250,000 miles and... <laughs> Not yeah. much went wrong. <laughs> I bet. I bet. <laughs> okay, right. Back to the job. <laughs> now, now we've uh, explored your... Well, I, no, it's okay. I, I now understand. I, I now understand that it's about the giggle. Yeah. Which I'm thinking is mainly... Because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's about yeah, the well, giggle because your job is about... Exploring, cars. yeah, proper yeah. cars. <laughs> so today I had a look on eBay and had a cheeky big bid at um, on a Reliant Rialto because I looked at it first for that's a silly car, and then I looked at the interior, and I looked at like, the wheel and the gear stick and everything, and I thought, could I imagine driving that and gigging? And I was like, yeah, probably. So I put in a bid. Um, I have been outbid, but I might have my bid. But yeah, that's exactly okay. how I buy cars. Yeah. Okay. Oh dear. Right. Mm. <laughs> I don't know whether to wish you luck with that or not. Actually, it <laughs> <laughs> could be a laugh. Well, it, a it'll definitely be a laugh. Yeah. There may be tears as well, but there will there will be laugh. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So back. So back to the uh, the serious job. Of mm-hmm. testing cars and passing on news that you you guys find. What uh, was the first car you did a um, a test in? Uh, Can you remember? Yeah. Well, it actually started when I was at uni, um, and I sort of begged press offices for a car to review for. Um, a uni project I was doing and the kind people at Sayat said yes we've got the ideal car for you so um, I was very excited um, and this bright yellow Sayat me with black stripes turned up in Leicester <laughs> for me to drive for a week and because it was my first ever press car I and I in the first I think it was the first 48 hours with it, I did about 700 miles <laughs> just driving. <laughs> so I I decided that I wanted, because it was a city car, wasn't going to, you know, no half measures. I wanted to get pictures of it in a city. <laughs> so I decided to drive it into central London. Because, um, you know, Leicester wasn't a city. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Leicester would have been fine. But no, so I drove from Leicester to central. But then that who was good at photography and he lived in Brighton. so I drove from Leicester down to Brighton to collect him <laughs> to then go back into London 
So then drive back down to Brighton, crash a night at his, literally got a few hours sleep. I then drove across, I think I drove sort of across the South Downs and sort of in a westerly direction for no apparent, I can't remember why I did that. I think just because it was pretty. And then drove back up to Leicester to drop one of our uni mates off, he'd come with me. And then thought, brilliant, I've done this drive in the last 24 hours or whatever. Actually, I want to go back to Shropshire and show it off to my mates and my parents and everyone in Shropshire. <laughs> so then drove, literally jumped in the car and drove straight to Shropshire. I Just because I had a press car and it was the most exciting thing in the world. And I loved this little yellow say at me. And a little yellow say at me with black stripes is definitely a car that is on to my to own list for that reason. Yeah, when I'm rich and born, definitely. It was awesome. <laughs> loved it. Okay, well, I was going to ask what's you been your favourite car, but I think we just you possibly just yeah. told me. <laughs> Quite possibly. Oh, my favourite car. That's a really difficult question. That's a, yeah, a question I made from Jim. Okay, well, when 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 you're um, when you're testing cars, now having chatted to a few people and you know and met with a few journalists and stuff like that, I always feel that people everyone's looking at it from their own slightly own perspective and they've got a particular aspect of a car they really like to get under their nails and really feel is do you have a part of of the car that you or when you're testing the car is there something you're particularly looking for <laughs> no <laughs> um i don't know really a part of a car yeah, is there, is there an aspect of a car that you, you get in? You know, I mean, um, I, if you've listened to the the Motion podcast, when we've talked, we've had a few cars uh, to to review. I've always looked at them, or I've gone, well, there's me as the driver, but actually, if I'm driving, I've got the family, so I'm thinking about this from yes. how practical this is from a family point of view. Is there anything? Uh, is there any aspect of car ownership that you particularly look at apart from perhaps giggling? Uh, well, no, I think that's exactly it. It makes me laugh if it's fun for whatever reason, not necessarily because it's it's really fast or it handles well. If if it's fun and a bit quirky, then I tend to like it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, weird and wacky stuff. I mean, I've not got a family, so but then obviously, if I review a family car, I think of it as a family car. But well, yeah, I mean, you're a professional, oh, yeah. so you know, yeah, yeah. of course, yeah. So that's not what floats my boat, though. The practical cars, but yeah, I mean, I I'd probably say I'm quite good at finding. The good in a lot of cars. Um, I mean, when it comes to cars I drive through work, a lot of my favourite cars probably have been traditional sort of cars that that are aimed at petrol heads that petrol heads like, which is probably a bit strange for me considering the kind of cars I've owned. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've had a run of Porsches recently, so I had a, a Cayman GT4. For a few nights, and I had probably my f- best drive ever in that best drive I've ever had in this Cayman GT4 because I I went out. Um, it was a really nice summer's evening, and I went out about eight o'clock and went exploring some of the, the nice roads around North Hertfordshire. And there are some, believe it or not, um, <laughs> and I that was just. Amazing. I mean, I can't say anything about that car that hasn't already been said, but just everything was right. You know, the the setting, the time, the weather, 
the car, the music, everything was spot on, and it was a mega drive, and I really enjoyed it. So yeah, I mean, motoring journalist likes came in GT4 shocker, but <laughs> that sort, yeah, yeah, cars like that I, I like, which a bit surprising considering I own a Metro, but yeah. Oh no, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Right, we're going to get to the part of the uh, show where I am going to ask you the quick-fire questions. Some of these we've actually sort of gone over already, uh, but I'm going to ask them anyway. And I am not going, or I will try desperately hard, not to uh, then ask a follow-up question to that when you give your answer, because I could see possibly I may take up all your night, and I'm I'm very loath to do that, and I'm conscious that you are... You, you have things to do. So uh, if you're ready to go. So, I, so you, want, you want quick answers? No, your answers can be as long as you like. Okay. I am okay, not going to come back after, though. Otherwise, okay. we, will, we could go on for days. <laughs> so I will start with the first one, which is uh, what currently excites you about the motoring world? Um, going on from what I was just saying, I came in GT4, um, the fact that there are... Um, there are proper driver's cars still being made. Yes, they're changing um, things like the 718 Cayman. Yeah, it's a four-cylinder turbocharged Cayman, but it's still fantastic, and it's aimed at drivers. Um, things like the MX-5, yes, SC200, there are still cars for keen drivers out there. Okay. Uh, and what currently worries you about the motoring world? Um, probably the art of driving being lost um i love driving um i think there's an art to driving well a lot of people are, are losing that a lot of people don't care about driving they'd rather concentrate on their phones or entertainment or whatever uh and it yeah it annoys me and summons me with sort of the awful driving i see every day okay um we've we've touched on this next one but uh, i will ask it again for for the sake of my own um ocdness uh, so what's been your favorite car to drive and why okay t- uh three answers probably spring to mind here three very different answers so there's cayman gt4 i was just saying about I've had, a, had a fantastic drive in that uh and yeah i mean it's just amazing um i've then got probably an honest answer which is the Nova that we had in for the Retro Road Test, which I absolutely loved. It was a little darling, and I really enjoyed driving it, and I want to own one one day. It was fantastic. And then there's the answer. I'd tell my mates down a pub or tell a girl I was chatting up or whatever, and that is um, the Ferrari 488 GTB, which um, I drove at Fiorano on Ferrari's test track with one of Ferrari's professional drivers next to me telling me what to do and encouraging me to go sideways and yeah i mean even if you're an idiot like me who likes neighbors it, it was still an amazing experience that's quite cool to be fair yeah it was it was it was really cool really, really cool <laughs> okay what's your least favorite car that you've driven and why was that this is gonna sound like one of those answers that because I don't want to get angry phone calls from PLs, but genuinely there there aren't many or any bad cars still being made. One car that springs to mind, I drove at SMMT test day, uh, whenever that was, a few months ago, <laughs> Nissan had their old Micra there, 
and I begged and begged to drive it because it was originally a static display and they let me drive it and I took it out on the road. It was Mark One Micro Automatic. And I mean, I, I love rubbish cars. This this was appalling. It was it was horrible. And I I took it. I had I had John Redfern, um, who's he's engaged sport mode on Twitter. He was my passenger, my very brave passenger. And I chucked it into one roundabout, like I usually do in the metro, expecting sort of old school sort of chirping understeer. And I'm not quite sure what happened, but it. It's sort of like it it flopped over the front axle. It it wasn't conventional understeer. It was just weird. It felt like it was going to fall over. Um, and it was terrifying. And it was an automatic as well. So in cars like that, cars like that with rubbish brakes, I'd quite like to change, have the power of being able to change down using gears. And in that, you had to rely on the brakes. And that was a pretty horrible. I mean, I love cars like that, but still pretty horrible. Yeah, I'm gonna gonna say that. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, well, I, we have covered this, but uh, again, for my OCDness, and I must tick a box on, on my list here. Uh, car you'd like to own next? Uh, Jaguar XJ40, just because I've always wanted to own one. I think they looked in nuts, and there are still a few cheap ones out there. Um, and I really want a Jag. I've always wanted a Jag. I've never owned a Jag, so yeah, that's what I'd like to. It's, it's not alone next, I'm sure but it's what I would like to own next. Okay. I like that answer. Uh, so what's your favourite road to drive on? That's uh, a tough question. There's, I, obviously, like we've sort of said, when I grew up on the border of Wales, there's some awesome roads around there. So I think one of my favourites back then was the B4391, which went from, Clang- I want to say a Welsh accent, but Clang- yeah, I want you to try the road to Bama, basically. Yeah, um, that was that's mega. But then, I, I mean, I recently, I've not long lived where I live now, which is sort of near Hitchin in North Hertfordshire, and I'm surprised about the quality of road. It's really good ones. So uh, the road that I sort of mentioned with the Cayman GT is the A507 from Baldock to Buntingford, and that's a surprisingly good road. So that's my current favourite. That's my sort of my local sort of road that I go for a drive on okay. so to speak excellent uh, what's the most pointless optional extra you've had the misfortune to experience electric tailgates I've had had them on my last two long term is I don't see the point of them I, I have to press the button to close my electric tailgate on the Outlander Fair and it just sort of you have to stand there like an empty while it slowly closes and it and then it detects something that blocking it from closing and it opens again you have to wait for it to open so you can move said item and then close again and it's really infuriating and I also had one of my long term seam actually for the FEV uh, and I was in Asda once and I got a this sort of came with a Tannoy system saying can the owner of this white Ford blah 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 come to come out come to the reception desk and I went there and it just opened by itself and I, I don't like them they're, they're pointless and annoying and irritating and I'd like to close the boot myself I mean, I'm happy cars can, I'm all for automatics and PDK on Porsches and all for cars to do like the complicated stuff like change here for me, but I want to close the boot myself. Thank you very much. Okay. I did, I did say <laughs> I wasn't going to interject, didn't I? Um, Go for it. <laughs> no, no. It's, I, I've had them on uh, the last two, car, uh, two cars I've had uh, and they've been brilliant for me, but I think possibly my situation is different to yours. 
because it involved me carrying lots of luggage and having it open it before I get there. Situation. Well, it does work in that situation, but I mean, on the on the C Max, you're meant to be able to wave your foot underneath, and it'll open for you if you got your hands full. And I tried it, but I always looked an idiot, and it never really worked. And I'd sort of swipe it one way, and then it would start opening, and then I'd accidentally swipe back the other way, and it'd close again. And just I can I can open. People have managed without electric tailgates for years, and they've never had an issue. They just put their shopping down or something. They're not needed. It is a nice to have. Yes, it is a nice to have. It's not a nice to have at all. Don't like it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, as long as you're not opinionated on it, that's that's the no. main thing. Don't don't sit on the fence. Apart <laughs> from that, they're all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who do you think uh, Rearview should talk to next, then? Uh, a bit of a cop-out, but I'm going to nominate my colleague, Gavin Braithwaite-Smith, because um, he's got an even more varied car history than me, um, and he's got some really interesting views on cars, and I think he'd be very good to speak to. I agree. I think he'd be very good to speak to, too. I shall make inquiries. Tell I said he should or something. Yeah, I will do. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Andrew, for coming on, and no, thank you thank for you. sharing uh, sharing your your experiences and well, your history, and yes, in your mindset, and allowing uh, allowing me to <laughs> drill down and find out what an editor is, um, what makes yeah. a good one. Uh, I'll probably think of some really clever answers to that, then, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, why you or what you look for in a car, which is to smile, which yes. I think is a, a I think thing. that is a brilliant reason, uh, a brilliant thing to look for in cars. Yes. And the metro makes me smile, unless I'm driving to Reading to go to Stoner. Yes, well, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Tears in my eyes. Right before we wrap up, um, I know you said at the top of the show, but if anybody wanted to follow your work or get in touch with you, what yep. uh, what are the ways that they could do that? So um, visit our website, motionresearch.com. Um, follow me on Twitter at uh, MR underscore Andrew Brady. Uh, I'm on Instagram as well, I think is the Andrew Brady. Um, but yeah, just, just, just tweet me, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> no, it will. From you randomly throwing out cars and going, oh, I quite like this. It, it is yes. an entertaining... Uh, Twitter handle to follow. So I fully expect to bought something silly by the time this goes out. Probably. <laughs> <I don't. laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Well, thanks again for coming on. Uh, no very much. And uh, it's been a real pleasure. And I'm I'm glad we've had this chat because now, like I say, now I understand why Good. you do some of the things you do. Because yes. before I didn't. Oh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Thank you. Bye. Thanks once again to Andrew for coming on Rearview and chatting to me. I hope all of you listening enjoyed it as much as I did. In the show notes, you will see links to Andrew's Twitter and Instagram handles, as well as to the Motoring Research website. If you want to suggest someone who you think we should talk to, please get in touch with the show. If you use the hashtag RearviewPod, we'll be guaranteed to see it in Motoring Podcast Towers. As this is a new show, we would really appreciate you rating and reviewing it on iTunes or whichever podcast app or player that you use. This will help make us more visible for those trying to find interesting podcasts to listen to. 
It only takes you a few moments, and it means a lot to the show and myself. So thank you if you do. Between now and next time, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts on the show via at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook as well, and on the contacts page of motoringpodcast.com, which is the hub of all our activities. Don't forget to use the hashtag RearViewPod, though. To get in touch with me directly, though, if you search for Crack Windscreen on Twitter, you will find me there. And if you like to keep up to date with motoring news and opinions, go try out our sister show if you don't already, which is the Motoring Podcast. So until next time, that was Andrew Brady. I've been Andrew Clues, and safe motoring. <laughs>